Before we get going in this break from reality that we're going to be doing here in the next hour or so, I wanted to take a moment to say thank you to all the doctors, nurses, first responders, the volunteers that are on the front lines dealing with this coronavirus disaster here in this nation and around the world. I also want to thank you to all the truck drivers that are keeping the grocery stores stocked, keeping things moving, um, keeping people supplied with the things that they need to get through daily life while they're cooped up in their house. I want to say thank you to all the store workers who are taking the chances and going into work every day to make sure that the people in this country have food available to purchase, toilet paper, wherever you can find it, and medications from the pharmacies. So now, as we we take a little moment, just remember, we're going to get through this, but let's have some fun while we're doing it. Welcome to the Cheddarhead Fantasy Football Podcast. All the information you need to make the most of your fantasy football league with just a touch of sarcasm to keep you from taking yourself too seriously. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this latest episode of the Cheddarhead Fantasy Football Podcast. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Cheddarhead Fantasy Football Podcast. It's Dave here. Dan's not with us today. He's, he's at home keeping the family in the house. He's staying in the house. Um, we're just going to go through the, the podcast like normal, get you out of reality of the coronavirus problem that we're dealing with. Uh, this is what, week, the end of week one for the shutdown in, in California. This is the start of day two for the shutdown in New York and Illinois. And who knows what else is coming? The stock market, wow, 9,000 plus points down. But I have faith in the president when he says we're going to get through this. I have the faith in Dr. Fauci when he says we're going to get through this. It might take a little bit, but we're going to get through this. And once we do, everything hopefully will be back to normal. Whatever that new normal is in this post-virus times. Um. Remember, you can check out the website for this podcast, mycffl.com, mycffl.com. The stuff we talk about will be will be up there today. The Fantasy Girl, we're going to have a Fantasy Girl just to uh, keep you entertained for a little bit. We got the news and notes, everything that's going on. This was the start of free agency in, in the NFL, and uh, I got all kinds of news and notes to go f- with that. And as as we mentioned last time on the last podcast with, with uh, Wayne and myself, We're going to go through the top rookie receivers that are available in this year's draft. Uh, I ranked them as as to how I like them, one through ten, and I'm this is how I would draft them if I were drafting. But hey, I'm not the one drafting. But these are these my rankings, and we'll have those coming up right after the news and notes. And uh, we're going to get into that right away. Also, don't forget. You got questions, comments, concerns? Feel free to send us an email. You can write me by writing to cff podcast at hotmail.com you can get dan strap 1971 at yahoo.com and also you can leave messages and text messages on our fan line 414-520-8249 if you do that we'll play them on the air read them on the air and uh, answer any questions you have um without further delay though 
Let's get into the news and notes. Even with this whole coronavirus locking everything down, it hasn't stopped the NFL from starting up their free agency and player signing period for the NFL season. It has basically been the only sports we were able to enjoy lately. The fun started with what is being sold as the most important free agent signing in the history of professional football, everybody. I understand there's a lot of overselling every story right now because there is tons of time literally to fill on these sports channels. However, this whole Tom Brady thing going to Tampa Bay story is is way overblown if you ask me. When listening to these talking heads, you would think Tom Brady is in his fourth year as a quarterback and working on his first free agent deal rather than the fact that he's a 43-year-old plow horse who had a less-than-average season last year. Brady signed a $30 million deal with Tampa, and according to the talking heads, you'll be seeing the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl for at least the next two years. These blocks all started to fall into place as soon as the Titans went and overpaid Ryan Tannehill and then let Marcus Mariota go to Las Vegas Raiders. Both of those teams were reportedly in the running to land Brady, along with the L.A. Chargers, who are now trying to sell everyone on the idea that they are just giddy as hell with Tyrod Taylor as their starting quarterback. Speaking of the Chargers, everyone knew Phillip Rivers was out as their starting quarterback. What was unknown until Wednesday, though, was that Phillip Rivers would become the starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. Rivers signed a one-year, $25 million deal with the Colts. The signing will also reunite Phillip Rivers with Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni, who both coached Rivers while he was with the Chargers. In more quarterback news, Teddy Bridgewater was brought in to be the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, who in turn made Cam Newton expendable in much the way I told everyone he would be at the beginning of last season. The Panthers have given Newton permission to look for a trade. Good luck with that, Cammy. Good luck. The Bears shocked the world and pissed off their fans when they made a trade with the Jaguars to bring Nick Foles to the team. The Bears said goodbye to a fourth-round pick to do this. Uh, I guess you'd call him a, a veteran quarterback, but... Uh, Who really knows? He doesn't really play much. The Bears struggled big time last season with Mitch Trubisky in his second season with Chicago. I honestly cannot tell you that I expect Nick Foles to do anything differently or better than what they were getting out of Trubisky, but hey, what do I know? In other big moves this offseason, the Arizona Cardinals traded David Johnson and draft picks to the Houston Texans for the rights to DeAndre Hopkins. The loss of Hopkins by Houston allowed them to then go out and sign Randall Cobb to a free agent contract. The rhetorical question, since I don't have a co-host here with me, who would you rather have if you're the Houston Texans? DeAndre Hopkins or Randall Cobb? DeAndre Hopkins, Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb, DeAndre Hopkins. Hmm. Next, Todd Gurley has signed with the Atlanta Falcons to replace Devonta Freeman, who was released earlier this week. For Gurley, 
His choices for teams to play with narrowed down to Atlanta and Miami. However, once Miami signed Jordan Howard, Atlanta was left as a team for him to sign with. Gurley was released by the Rams one day previous to him signing with Atlanta. The deal is for one season and is worth $6 million, including a $7.5 million bonus owed to him by the Rams. He will make $11 million in 2020. A guy with one knee is going to make $11 million. Gurley won the Offensive Player of the Year in 2017, and since then, his fall has been tremendous due to continued continued lingering knee issues. The Falcons had talked to the Rams about a trade for Gurley prior to him being released, but now they end up with him and didn't have to give up any draft picks. I don't think fantasy owners could count on Gurley ever being a 25 carry per game back this year, thanks to both those knee injuries, and he's still going to require tension, on the other hand, though, from the opposing defenses went on the field. So I can't imagine him getting 25 carries a season, a game anymore, especially when you consider he's going to be paired up now with Ito Smith, who who came to life last season, and, and a young Brian Hill in the backfield in Atlanta. Melvin Gordon has signed with the Denver Broncos. Gordon signed a two-year, $16 million deal with $13.5 million guaranteed. Some experts, experts believe that the Broncos overpaid for the running back. However, when you really think about it, the Broncos are actually sitting in a pretty good place right now and, and able to overpay a little bit, considering that their starting quarterback is in his second year and on his rookie deal. Their number one receiver, Cortland Sutton, is in his third or third or fourth year and still on his rookie deal. And their running back, Philip Lindsay, is still in his rookie deal. So there isn't a lot of great deal of money being paid out uh, in salaries right now for their big studs. So Gordon, they could afford to give $13.5 million guaranteed. Ian Rappaport reported that Gordon had a better offer from another team, but... The excitement for Gordon to play in the AFC West and face off with the Chargers twice a year was more than he could pass up. Gordon is expected to compliment Philip Lindsay while also bringing in better pass-catching ability from the backfield. Fantasy owners are still going to be a little disappointed considering <laughs> this is still a running back by cons- committee in Denver. The, the thing you've heard since the days of Terrell Davis and, man, who are the other guys that were there? The ex-guy from Miami. Oh, I can't remember. The guy who always dressed up after the games. Plus, if you're a Royce Freeman owner, you're even more disappointed as, at this move because it's going to do nothing more than reduce Freeman's role by quite a bit. Uh, that's it for the news and notes. And with that, oh, wait, no, there is one more thing. Uh, just recently, today or yesterday, Emmanuel Sanders has come off the free agent list and he has signed a deal with the New Orleans Saints. So now you got Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. That's a pretty good receiving core if you ask me. And uh, going to make them a tough offense this season. And with that, we move to what has become our grading system for the rookies available in this year's draft. We started with the quarterbacks last podcast we did the the running backs and this week 
it's the top rookie receivers. And it isn't often that you get to hear a term like, this could be the best wide receiver class in all of the NFL draft history. However, we are arguably at that spot right now. This 2020 wide receiver class is loaded. In fact, it's so loaded that I've put together a top 10 list of the top wide receivers available in the draft in order that I believe they should be drafted. I also think that there will easily be seven wide receivers drafted in the first round, and that could possibly, not not likely, but possibly go up to at least at two, two at about nine receivers. So let's start the list. My number one receiver, Henry Ruggs III out of Alabama. Henry Ruggs, six feet tall, 190 pounds. He lit up the board at the combine by scorching the 40-yard dash as the fastest of all skilled players this year. It is said of Ruggs that he possesses legendary speed in the same range of a John Ross or Corey Coleman. Unlike those two, though, Ruggs is more than just a speed guy. He has proven that he can run all kinds of routes, and he isn't just a one-trick pony. He has exceptional body control and footwork. He also has the ability to set up defenders and then turn on the speed to get wide open. The best, most legit comparison for Ruggs, according to the scouts, would be Tyreek Hill with a better route-running ability, and that's scary. My number two receiver available and should be the number two guy off the board, also from Alabama, Jerry Judy. He stands six foot one inches tall and weighs in at 192 pounds. Obviously, I have Judy listed as my number two ranked wide receiver, while many others likely have him at number one. Either way, you're talking Judy and Ruggs. They're both studs. Judy, big play receiver, who, much like Ruggs, has a tremendous ability to burst out of his breaks and make big plays. One talent evaluator said of Jerry Judy, he's a glitch. His ability to set up defenders with subtle route variations is matched by his special agility, balance, and speed. He's eerily similar to Odell Beckham with his running style and movement skills. Hopefully, he's not the same kind of baby and emotional problem that Beckham is. Judy is going to be a natural fit for any team in the NFL, and it isn't often that someone has that kind of talent. My number three receiver off the board this year should be C.D. Lamb of Oklahoma. He's a six-foot-two receiver, weighs 190 pounds. Lamb and Judy and Ruggs are taking up my whole first tier. You really can't go wrong with any one of these three receivers. Lamb is completely different from Judy in that Lamb is a big physical receiver with excellent body control and great hands, but without the amazing speed that Judy has. Lamb, like Judy and Ruggs, is an exceptional route runner, but the knock on him is that he tends to catch the ball with his body more than the scouts would like to see. Scouts are comparing C.D. Lamb to DeAndre Hopkins, which is interesting as it was also reported that the Cardinals were interested in Lamb in the draft, but they just made that trade for Hopkins this past week, as you heard in the news and notes. So I don't think they're going to be looking at C.D. Lamb much anymore unless they take both of them, seeing as how Larry Fitzgerald is got to be in his last season, right? So that would be scary seeing C.D. Lamb and DeAndre Hopkins playing for Arizona if that goes down that way. Number four receiver off the board. Oh, wait, no, it can't be because I believe 
Arizona gave up their first-round pick in order to get DeAndre Hopkins. No. F. I'd have to look into that. My number four receiver off the off the board, T. Higgins from Clemson. Higgins is the tall guy in this class at six foot four inches tall and weighs 216 pounds. Two years ago, Higgins was looked at as a wide receiver one when the Clemson offense was exploding all over the field. In waiting, Higgins has been caught by some of the other prospects and now ranks in as my number four receiver available this year. He is listed as a very good route runner and a natural hands catcher. He is also fast enough off the line of scrimmage, even as a six foot four, 216 pounder, to run past other physical cornerbacks that are going to try and press him during the game. Trying to find comparisons for Higgins is a little tough. He reportedly has a little bit of A.J. Green minus the injuries to his build, but his play is more reminiscent of Tyler Boyd when you talk to the scouts. Number five for me, Justin Jefferson of LSU. Jefferson comes in at 6'1 and 202 pounds. Much like the other big-time receivers available, Jefferson is a precise route runner with excellent timing and agility in his movements. He is more of a possession receiver than a speed demon, but even with that, there's plenty of consistency in his game. He is a plug-and-play type receiver. The comparison for Jefferson is thought to be Devontae Adams of Green Bay. He is thought to be as low as a late second rounder, but there is no way he's going to last that long, especially with the injuries that came up at the scouting combine amongst other receivers that were there this year. Number six for me, Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State. He's a 5'11 receiver, 206 pounds. He is the one receiver that was able to most improve his draft stock this year. After Nikhil Harry left the team in Arizona State last season, Ayuk exploded onto the scene as the number one target for the Sun Devils. No one will ever confuse Ayuk for Nikhil Harry as a player. Ayuk is a smooth receiver with amazing after-the-catch moves. Scouts are comparing him to Sammy Watkins while he was at Clemson. I like Ayuk to be a mid-to-late first-round pick. If he falls to number 30, the Packers are going to be running the card up to the commissioner. Brandon Ayuk at number 6. Number 7 for me, LaVisca Chenault from Colorado. Six foot one, 227-pound receiver. Chenault should be higher on the board, but I have him falling now as much as two spots because he did end up getting injured at the scouting combine and needed surgery for a core muscle injury afterwards. When healthy, Chenault is another one of those guys you can just plug into any offense. He is viewed as a good runner with very good receiving skills. Um, when healthy, the, the when healthy part for him is the main problem as he is viewed as a medical problem. He is compared talent-wise to Percy Harvin, who, when drafted, forced the offensive coordinators to find mismatches for him each week. You're going to be able to attack the defense um, on jet sweeps and quick hitter type throws, as well as fades down the road if you ha- down the field if you have Lavisca Schnault on your team. He's going to need a well focused offensive coordinator who isn't just going to plug him in at wide receiver and expect him to shine. He isn't that kind of guy. Lavisca Schnault, number seven, number eight for me, Michael Pittman, USC. Pittman, a six foot four receiver who weighs two hundred twenty three pounds. He was a shining star on a Trojan offense 
that displayed inconsistent quarterback play this year. Pittman has the muscular build that allows him to body defensive backs at the line of scrimmage and when he has the ball in his hands. It is those traits that have scouts comparing him to Kenny Kenny Galladay because Pittman, like Galladay, is going to be able to simply outmuscle the defenders. Pittman isn't going to blow you away with his speed, but his power and strength is going to make up for what he lacks for in quickness. Number nine, out of Notre Dame, Chase Claypool. He enters a draft at six foot four inches tall, two hundred thirty eight pounds. He has the ability to make big times run, big time runs after the catch. He's a big receiver who is tough with the ball in his hands. And again, we aren't talking about a fast receiver here. If we were, he would definitely be a first round pick, but he won't be. This is where my thought of nine receivers off the board kind of falls apart. Him and well, Lavisca, uh, I doubt is gonna. Yeah, yeah. Seven is probably the stretch there for receivers going in the first round. My number 10 pick is also my guy to watch. My sleeper pick, guy to watch. Gabriel Davis of Central Florida, six foot two, 216 pounds. Davis generated buzz in the scouting community after impressing this year at Central Florida. He is reported to have a good build and He is a mismatch when it comes to size. His combine performance increases draft stock quite a bit. I love me some Gabriel Davis. The Packers go, they go Brandon Ayuk in the first round and Gabriel Davis later on in the fourth or fifth, if if he's still available. It's going to be a a good year for the Packers draft. And that's it, my top ten receivers, the way I think they should be going off the board this year. And with that, we're going to keep the show moving. It'll be short this year. I said an hour at the beginning, and oof, there's no way we're going to make an hour. No one to banter with. Uh, we're going to get into the club. I'm and by. And we're going to. Damn, the wrong button again. We're going to get into the club, and we're going to do the Fantasy Girl of the Week. Here we go. I got to do a better job with those buttons. I keep pushing this. I'm bu- the wrong one. I can't figure it out. I keep pushing the uh, beat the host button. Um, this week's fantasy girl, one of my favorites of all time. Not my favorite of all time. Just one of my favorites of all time. And you can check her out on the website, mycffl.com on the fantasy girl page. Her name Tori Praver, Victoria Side Praver. She was born June 4th, 1987 in San Diego, California, and she was raised on the Hawaiian island of Maui. She spent her childhood surfing, swimming, and hanging out at the beaches with her friends. She's an American model and swimwear fashion designer for her very own brand, Tori Praver Swimwear. And she is best known for appearances in the 2007 to 2009 issues of the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue. Praver was first discovered by a modeling scout at a Lahaina, Hawaii supermarket when she was 13 years old. She modeled for such companies as Guess and has also been featured on many covers of Cosmopolitan and Glamour magazines. 
In 2013, Tori married her longtime boyfriend and professional surfer, Danny Fuller. The two separated in 2017, and they share a daughter, Ryan, born in 2013, and a son, Phoenix, born in 2016. The two split their time between Hawaii, Malibu, and New York. The five-foot, even tall model weighs 128 pounds. She has blue eyes and blonde hair, and her measurements, no one wants to give me any guesses, so I'll just let you know. 33, 25, 35, and she's a 38A, in case you were wondering. Tori Praver, your fantasy girl of the week. And that's it for the show, everybody. Next time on the program, we're going to be hopefully further along in this coronavirus thing and uh, everything calming down in a couple weeks. I'm not counting on it, but there's always hope. Um, We will be doing more news and notes. We'll have our top tight ends that are available of the rookies in the draft. And, of course, another fantasy girl. And uh, hopefully we'll have either Dan or Wayne with us next week. Uh, Both of them are busy running the roads in their trucks, keeping everybody stocked up with things. So uh, no one really knows what's going to be happening. But until then, don't forget to send us emails, cffpodcast at hotmail.com. You can get Dan at strap1971 at yahoo.com. And you can use the fan line, 414-520-8249. Leave us your messages. Yep. Thanks, thank yous you want to give out to the people that are helping in this crisis, feel free to do that. You got questions about your fantasy team, That's those are welcome too. So until the next time, everybody, be healthy and be good. Bye-bye.